This morning's gospel lesson comes to us from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 4, verses 35 to 41. Listen for the word of God as it touches your hearts, your minds, and your souls. On that day, when evening had come, he said to them, Let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd behind, they took him with them in the boat, just as he was. Other boats were with him. A great windstorm arose, and the waves beat into the boat, so that the boat was already being swamped. But he was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. And they woke him up and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Jesus woke up and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. Then the wind ceased and there was a dead calm. He said to them, Why are you afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great awe and said to one another, Who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? This is the word of God for the people of God. Let us pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. The instinctive response of Jesus' terrified disciples was fear in the frail, storm-tossed boat. It rings both in the individual lives of Christians and their church and civic lives. We are afraid of the wind and the waves that overwhelm our fragile vessels, our lives, our churches, our cities, our nations. Sometimes we fear disapproval. Sometimes we fear rejection and failure, meaningless illness, and of course, we fear death, our own death the death of those we love, and the potential demise of the communities that we cherish. The overshadowing reality from these verses that we read this morning is that of faithful disciples overcome with fear and Jesus' loving yet firm response to their life-draining anxiety. The sea, the storm, and the fragile craft that carry them, and our Lord across the Sea of Galilee, offer wonderful and pointed images of our life's journeys. We experience, we envision, and hear of the perils of especially these passages, the profound vulnerability of the craft that bears us on our way and our longing for one who calms both us and the storm. Fear is confronted in this story, but not by a sudden burst of courage or resolve on the part of the disciples. In the course of the storm, the disciples really never pull themselves together. They do not, at least not on their own, discover the inner resources that they will have later. But they did not know that they had them now. Rather, it's Jesus who calms both them, the 
storm with his presence. Jesus presents to us, to us today, a faithful proclamation. Not so much as a challenge to discover forgotten courage, but he invites you and I, he invites you and I to turn again to the Lord of the wind and the wave, the one we trust to be more powerful than both the storms of the sea and the storms that rage in our lives. It is important to note that Jesus never says, there is nothing to be afraid of. He didn't say that. The storm that was all around the disciples in the boat was doubtless indeed fearsome, as are the winds and the waves that threaten you and I. Rather, Jesus asks, why are you afraid? Why are you afraid? Have you still no faith? To help understand this distinction, imagine a scene such as this. A child awakens in the dark of the night, terrified at some dream that has disturbed their childlike slumber, frightened of some wolf or monster hiding in the bedroom closet. Does it sound familiar? I remember it well. I was in kindergarten. The stained glass window in my closet, the sun was coming through. The night before, the, the sitter had read Little Red Riding Hood, the mean bad wolf. I know for a fact that wolf was standing right there. I still can see it today. Today, I can still see it. The parent rushes into the room, grabs the child, sits in a chair with them, and comforts the child, rocks them gently, then whispers what a thousand parents have done for a thousands and thousands of years. Hush. There's nothing to be afraid of. The question these comforting words raise is simply this. Is the parent telling the whole truth to the child? Is there really nothing to be afraid of? Hey, after 60 years, I'm still afraid of that stained glass window. <laughs> and I'll let you in on a little secret. I'm still afraid of the dark. I don't know why. I don't know why I still, when it's dark, when it's silent, and quiet, and I'm all alone, why I whistle and or sing as if I'm going to scare the boogeyman away. <laughs> Although the intent might be the same, saying there's nothing to be afraid of is also very different than saying, do not be afraid. The hard truth is that formidable things are very, very real. Real like isolation, darkness, pain, illness, worthlessness, rejection, losing one's job, losing one's money, money problems, failure, illness, and again death. As we grow in faith, as you and I grow in faith, we come to understand that even though such fearsome things are very, very real, they do not have the last word. Did you hear that? They do not have the last 
word. They do not have the ultimate power over us because reigning over this world of frightening things is a God who is mightier than any of it. Time and time again in Scripture, we hear the words, well, you don't hear the words, but if you read it in Greek, delos, delos is the word. It's the root word from where we get our word daylight, delos. In the brightness of the day, you can see everything. So what's there to be afraid of? But at night, but at night, when the wind is howling, it's dark, the branches are against the windows, the windows are shaking, modelos emerges. Do not be afraid. It is, if you would, the first and the last word of the Gospels. It's the word spoken to Mary when confronted on the birth of a child, to an unmarried young girl. It's the word the angels speak to the terrified shepherds, and the word spoken at the tomb to the women who discover that it's empty. Modelos. Do not be afraid. Not because there are no fearsome things on the seas or in our lives. Not because there are no storms, fierce winds or waves, but rather because Emmanuel, God, is with us. Instead of saying there's nothing to be afraid of, the whole truth would be, for the parent comforting the frightened child, do not be afraid because you are not alone. The easy part of the truth, which every child soon figures out, is that some things frighten us, and they are very real, and some are not. My friends, oh, there is more to that truth, that there is a deeper truth that only faith in God, who raised Jesus Christ from the tomb, can provide. It is that even though there are real and frightening things in this life, they need not paralyze us. They need not have control over us. They need not own us because we are not alone in the boat. Yes, you can tell by my face as we put the finishing touches on the pool. I remember being in the pool at the YMCA back when I was in kindergarten learning how to swim. Dad took me. Dad took me to learn how to swim, and that was special unto itself. I remember trying to find the courage, as did the other kids in the class, to find the courage to even jump into the pool. All the dads and moms standing there begging for us to jump. Dad, there standing, looking at me. All of us frozen in time, afraid to sink into the water. We knew we would sink because it was over our heads. I can still remember to this day, every time I stepped to the side of the pool to jump in, and now the wave and splash is much bigger, <laughs> I hear the words of Dad. Yep, yep, son, the water is over your head. But my feet are firmly planted on the bottom of this pool, and I will not let you go under. And with that, I jumped in, as did the rest of the kids. 
Friends, we are traveling on life's journeys. Don't be afraid because you are not alone. Our Savior has his feet firmly on the ground. And he will calm the storm. And he will not let us go under. Amen. Let's pray.